Welcome to Salamander Babies, the only podcast devoted to Muppet Babies. <laughs> not true, but... <laughs> Wait, there is a podcast devoted to Muppet Babies? A friend of mine yeah. hosts a podcast. Uh, <laughs> called, okay, wait, wait. I, have to, I have to talk about this. My, a friend of mine hosts a podcast called Skeeterial, which is a serial take <laughs> trying to figure out what happened to Skeeter. And so it is, it is a Muppet Babies watching podcast, but they're also doing a deep dive mm-hmm. investigation to figure out why Skeeter disappeared. All right. I'm going to do this again? Yeah. <laughs> but we're leaving this in, right? Oh, yeah. Doing one. Welcome to Salamander Babies, the second podcast devoted to Muppet Babies. <laughs> we did it. Science. I'm quantum anarchist, Jim Gold. I'm temporal timekeeper, Mario Panagetti. Holodeck programmer, Jen Marshall. <laughs> I forgot my title. I'm... Velociraptor. I'm Chief Velociraptor, <laughs> Lynn Gold. Oh, promotion. <laughs> She can open doors now. <laughs> it was a struggle before. <laughs> but it's, I'm a, still, it's still a struggle, but at least you know how to do it. I'm a clever girl. <laughs> but the doors open automatically. <laughs> <laughs> and lost raptors would wreak some havoc on the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 17, Dreadnought. Uh, so in Dreadnought, Voyager encounters an artificial intelligence-powered missile that Bolana and Chakotay captured and reprogrammed in the Alpha Quadrant. When they discover it in the Delta Quadrant, it has targeted an innocent civilization, and this is their attempt to stop it. But do they stop it? Stay tuned. <laughs> We've got some pre-Naomi Wildman goodness. Mm-hmm. I forget how long the Naomi birth arc is. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and really then all of a sudden it. she's a 10-year-old. <laughs> uh, now I'm distracted by this. At the end of season two is when they get ditched on that planet, right? And I believe so. Yes. And she's so, an infant at that point. Yeah. Is that before or after there's that alternate reality one with Harry and the baby dying? So that jumping? episode is at her birth. Okay. Because she dies in childbirth or shortly after childbirth in the main timeline. Okay. Wait, what? Sorry, we're not talking, this episode. We're talking about. Sorry, it was just. No, I mean, I knew it wasn't this episode, but I totally do not remember any of this arc <laughs> and like the entire concept of a baby dying in Voyager is a little. I just, uh, I like happens more often than you think. <laughs> the episode opens with uh, Ensign Wildman and uh, Kess and the Doctor in sickbay going over some exam type. Uh, doing like a pre-maternity, like a maternity checkup. Yeah, prenatal. Prenatal. Thank you. Thing. And uh, and so they get into the doctor's name and all that. So the thing that I don't get is um, Wildman's really pregnant, like visibly, bulbously pregnant. And I'm just like, how do they think that it's a boy at this point? Like, mm-hmm. it's the future and they can't identify what gender it is. Or they, they think it's a boy and it's a girl. And I don't understand how this happens. Maybe she's one of those, like, oh, we don't care as long as it's healthy. We want Six. it to be a mystery. <laughs> well, they, yeah. they were referring to it as a boy. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder um, if they go over that, the fact that they misgendered the baby at some point. Or, well, or was that just a last-minute choice? Or, like, was this sort of a choice made independent of their casting choices later? They couldn't get the right toddler on the show. <laughs> they had to recast. They had, they, had, they had Jake Lloyd right there, and then they were like, <laughs> no, this is not going to work. Poor guy. <laughs> Wow, no, I'm, I'm the asshole. He didn't deserve all the shit people threw at him. Like, he was a kid. Oh, yeah, no, he didn't He didn't deserve shit for that. He actually quit acting because of how oh. poorly he was treated by his peers after 
Phantom Menace came out. I totally believe it. Yeah. It shouldn't have gotten all that hate. It should have just been more directed at George Lucas. Yeah. Who did deserve it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the, including all the casting. Uh, yeah, it's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Dreadnought. <laughs> this is going to go really well. Have fun editing this one. <laughs> it's ten minutes long. <laughs> so Dreadnought. So Dreadnought. So Dreadnought. <laughs> We haven't even started talking about the I mean, actual Dreadnought a, yet. This is a great Bolada episode, which is exciting to me, because you know how I feel about her. <laughs> she it really had the ballad. opportunity to be a pirate this one. She didn't <laughs> take it. You know what she should have done? She should have reprogrammed the missile to be her companion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pirate escapades. Yes. No, this actually ties in really well, because this is referencing her pirate past. It's sure. coming back to revisit her, and she's like, I'm reformed. And it's like, well... You reprogram this missile to kill mm-hmm. a lot of people, so think about that. Yep. Wasn't it actually programmed to um, destroy a munitions depot or something like that? Cardassians. But I thought it was basing its mistargeting on um, on certain attributes of the planet, including like life signs or something. Uh, maybe, but I mean, we, we they established that Bolana is super Cardassian racist, so yes. fair. I don't think she considers them to have the same value of life. But the. the... <laughs> But the, the target that they actually mentioned was, I'm pretty sure it was a munitions depot. I think, I think you're right. doesn't mean it's unmanned. Yeah. I kind of want to go back to talking about the fact that one of the characters in the show is a racist. Yeah. Bolana is <laughs> racist against Cardassians. I think you mean... Uh, uh, Several of the characters in the show are racist now. <laughs> I assume. I, th- I think you were talking about Karth. <laughs> Karth? Karth or Nassi? Raphael oh. Sparge is his name. Oh, that's his name? That's his actual name. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can call him Karth. I call him Caden. Caden. I feel like this is another one where we're going to have to start off by saying we have nothing against the actor. No. I love him. <laughs> Just every character that he's ever played. Can, can we establish this? Because that is way later in the episode. We were talking about, like, if we're going to start a new topic, let's do that. But I have a feeling a lot of people listening to this may have no idea who Caden is oh, or, or yeah, any of these other connections. So there's an actor named Raphael Sparge. He's Canadian. That is irrelevant. <laughs> Oh, well then. <laughs> He's a big video game voice actor, um, as well as occasional TV actor. He was in Once Upon a Time, plays Jiminy Cricket. Oh. Um, He's in Star Trek. Yeah, I follow his career because I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was, in, he was in Mass Effect. He was in um, KOTOR, both Bioware games. Yeah. He does a good job, even though the characters that he, he plays in both games are kind of... He's a great actor. It makes you either love him or hate him. And yeah. There's plenty mm-hmm. of people that love both Karth and Caden. And Caden's a pretty significant character because he's like a romanceable option in the first game and also one of the big pivot decision points in that game. Yes, he's in all three Mass Effect games. It can be. Yes. Usually he's... <laughs> I don't know what other people choose. My last one, I killed him. And I'd do it again. <laughs> I hate him and Ashley's. <laughs> Karth is also a very major character in KOTOR. Okay. Yeah. Killed them both. Yeah. He's also a love interest in KOTOR. Why don't you, why don't yeah. you both stay behind and, and, and uh, defuse the bomb? You guys should work on that together. <laughs> You'll get done twice as fast. Explain that to your crew. Then they'll both survive. So, oh shit! <laughs> so in Kotor, he's one of the romance options, and I put options in quotes because um, there aren't very many. But basically, at one point, like your character in Karth and then the female Jedi are all like captured. And if you're playing a male character, then the bad guys torture the female Jedi because mm-hmm. it's your romance thing. And if you're a female character, they torture Karth. <laughs> and I and I was always like, I'll never talk. Keep torturing. <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, I'll stay strong. I'm like, hit him again. 
<laughs> you don't get anything out of me. He's I don't like, care how many times you hurt him specifically. I won't talk. <laughs> Afterwards, he's all like, he's like, you know, it, it's okay that you didn't do that. I'm, I'm, and it's like the game's trying to set you up to be like, I'm so sorry I had to do it to you. And I'm like, no, fuck you. Like, if I could still do it, you'd still be in there. Like <laughs> Renegade option. You just zap him again. You don't understand, Karth. I got this thing for Jahani. Jahani is like Tally, I think. I like Tally. Exactly. <laughs> I don't understand KOTOR, but I like Tali. Yeah, I've only played the first little bit of KOTOR. That's mm. on my list. It's not done it yet. <laughs> it's classic Bioware, but you know what isn't classic Bioware? Dreadnought. Dreadnought. <laughs> so Dreadnought. <laughs> what is this, a crossover episode? <laughs> I'd watch that. So this actor that you've established. <laughs> so Carthonasty plays a very bit part in this episode. He's and in several episodes. So he plays a small part in an, in an arc in season two where um, he is trying to act as a mole for the Kazon to deliver information to them to help them gain in power and eventually to take Voyager. Because he wants to do Seska. I guess. Like, it's, his motivations don't seem clear in this one episode, but oh, we are right. watching things really out of sequence. That's true. But, I mean, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. He wants to get in her Cardassian pants. Oh, no. <laughs> Crewman Jonas. My name is Crewman Jonas. Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's him. <laughs> so that is one yeah. scene in this episode. <laughs> There's no bearing on anything else. Uh, yeah, not in this episode. Well, it it has bearing on Paris's behavior a bit. Um, yeah. As, as part of like a, a multi-episode arc that is kind of opaque to us right now, um, except for the fact that we looked this up. <laughs> yeah, we looked this up because previously we had shit on Tom and his like gambling scheme in oh, that yeah. one. Ep- I forget which episode that was. Yeah, I think that was in Melbourne. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I think, think might. you might be right. Yeah, it's a totally disconnected B plot in that episode, but he basically is conning people on the holodeck, and then it turns out because we had because we're like this is really weird behavior from him, and so we looked it up and found that it was actually a larger story arc where he is pretending to be shitty and to be like lax in his work in order to draw out the mole. And everyone instantly believes it because he is a little bit shitty, although not as shitty as he's pretending to be. I, yeah, it's easy to buy into. Yeah. And it turns out it's Chakotay who's actually running that operation. So I like the fact that in this episode, um, Tom is acting so shitty that Bolana calls him out on it. Like, you know you have a problem when Bolana calls you out on behavioral issues? <laughs> <laughs> I think you have an attitude problem. <laughs> he interrupted her big briefing. It was her big moment in the ready room. That is shitty. Nobody should ever interrupt Bolana. No. Even though she was basically explaining that it's all her fault. Well, it was all her fault. Yep. Spoiler alert. <laughs> She's like, this missile's good, real good. It's the best, because I made it. Yep. It's gonna single-handedly kill all those Cardassians. <laughs> Except they are <laughs> Right. Some kind of fish monsters. <laughs> <laughs> we have bird people. And fish monsters. <laughs> and fish monsters. Got a little something on your face. Your entire face. Oh, it's your face. (laughs) (laughs) Might want to get that looked at. I have a condition. (laughs) Bolana ends up going on to the missile, and um, she tries to disarm it multiple times. And so every time she enters the missile, it scans her to, like, check her DNA. And I'm like, if you have the capacity, like, if the missile has the ability to, like, scan DNA, why don't... You just say, like, okay, well, you have your target. How about you approach it and then scan it real quick just to see if the population that's on that planet matches? 
I mean, it seemed like it was doing a lot of acrobatics to try to reach the logical conclusions it wanted to. Like when um, Janeway was talking to him, it's like, you can tell we're not Cardassians, right? It's like, oh, you probably are working on a treaty with the Cardassians. It's like, it just finds reasons to blow something up. It's a missile. Like, okay. it's uh, incentivized and leaning toward <laughs> blowing things up. It's like a DM who's just had her plans ruined. <laughs> it actually puts everything on the rails. Fireball. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like... Um, Cartesian demon or the the kind of like assumption that it exists because like one of the uh, contingencies that Bolana programs into the the dreadnought system is the possibility that that Bolana is captured and coerced by the Cardassians into into stopping it. And once you do that, basically you're you're telling the whole thing like uh, pretty much anything that you encounter can be subterfuge and diversion. So don't trust it. True. It even uses that logic to not trust its own sensor systems. It's yeah. like, well, I, I don't know why I'd be wrong, so this must be wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why she wouldn't program, like, a secret code or something. Like, if I say these words that sound totally normal to anybody else, it means that I've been coerced. But, no. <laughs> I mean, that would that would solve the problem. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, which, which would not make for a great episode. That's true. It's like, oh, no, I fixed it. All right, let's get on with our day. <laughs> yep. Well, she also explains it's got um, like adaptive reasoning. So even if she had set some original parameters in like that, like an override, it could think, well, if she's coerced, that she might have given the override to the Cardassians, and so I can't trust it even. Well, that's kind of what happens. Yeah. Where the first time she attempts to disable it, she she gets transported on board, gets scanned, thinks she has totally disabled it, and it just says, ah, see you later. I'm continuing on my mission. Yeah. The moment it uh, is introduced to the idea of, of the sensors incorrectly reporting its location it's like oh well something's weird here i'm not going to trust balana and so it develops this whole ruse to get her off the ship i don't was it in reaction to inconsistent sensor readings or was it just i think it in... was merely on its mission until balana introduced that concept because she was trying to basically help it reason itself back to realizing it's on the wrong course but at that point it explains later in its communication that it actually needed to get balana off the ship safely before it continued on its mission so it was deceiving her at least at that point if not earlier right but but the reasoning behind the deception was that or my understanding was that it was because it assumed she was being coerced yeah i don't know when that um possibility was introduced in its mind but well when she yeah. tried to stop it yeah i guess i suppose so once she was taking direct action to disable it yeah but you know her, her initial method of doing that was to introduce the idea of it, it having the wrong target so I was wondering if maybe that's when it made that conclusion. doesn't really matter, ultimately, but that, that's my reasoning there. That, that was my interpretation of what it was saying, where it said that um, that the Delta deception was... I, I think it says that it's when she introduced false data, which is her basically having a rescan. Yeah, uh, okay. that's when the doubt is introduced in its ability to trust her. Gotcha. And if the future is you have to argue with your computer every time you want to turn off, I'm not interested. <laughs> I already do that. <laughs> <laughs> How's it go? Uh, actually, it's turning on. <laughs> no. Turn on, you motherfucker! Kick. Jen, you talk about the missile wanting to go on its mission. I'm just like, did Bellana make the missile racist? Because it's like, <laughs> it's not artificial intelligence or virtual intelligence, or whatever. But I'm just like, it, like the want might have been there because it just never gave up. Yep. Again, I think it's just because it is literally a bomb. Like, it's an AI that is a bomb and knows it's a bomb and knows its intended purpose. And so all she did was change its target when she originally hacked it. 
but she didn't change its motivation and its intelligence. So really, it doesn't care what its target is as long as it does what it's told to do. Yeah, I I wouldn't impute characteristics like racism. No, no, that's mostly a reference to us calling Blana racist earlier. Oh, okay. I'm not actually thinking that it's like. Well, I mean, the most the most I see it do is um, it has like those almost pre-recorded but basically like scripted spiels where it's like um, I have been reprogrammed by the Maquis and now I'm going to fulfill my mission like, but it didn't seem to have any like um, I'm not going to say I wasn't going to say like patriotism but like it didn't seem to have any like real motivation behind it beyond it just being its um, imperative mm-hmm. plus it doesn't seem to have any value for life of any kind that's true kind of likes Balana. I mean Kinda. it is a weapon yeah <laughs> it would be it would be a little weird to to uh, to program value in, uh, of sentient life into a weapon designed to destroy planets. Well, I agree, but Bellana tries to plead with it on that level when it's like, and millions of innocent lives are at stake. It's like, oh, okay, uh, I'll assume that for your hypothetical scenario. <laughs> yeah. <A little> data. <laughs> I mean, like it does turn the life support off for. <laughs> yep. That's just like, hey, if you stop doing that, I'll turn it back on. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about this. <laughs> Get a be beer sometime. <laughs> yeah, so the fish monsters send their their fifteen uh, ship fleet. Yep. Uh, ship fleet to uh, to try to destroy it, and they're yeah. just like buzzing around it like flies. And then they get vaporized. <laughs> they literally. Like, oh my god. They're literally buzzing around it like flies when that thing does that pulse and it just goes. And they're gone. Yeah, it's like a bug zapper. Yeah. There's not even debris. They just like stop existing. <laughs> yeah. Like, Janeway did warn them. <laughs> you probably shouldn't. Uh, no, please don't. Uh, yeah. no, they're like, what? what? We're doing it. It's too late. YOLO. <laughs> I think you might be impressed by some of our pilots. <laughs> just like that's cute. Remember that time that they were evacuating the ship and no. then. No, um, I don't remember. Janeway was like, I'm going to stay here. And then Chakotay was like, no! And then like, okay. down. <laughs> and they shared a passionate kiss. And like one tear came down his cheek. Mm, let's wind back the episode. And, and then reveal. like, Tuvok had to hold him back because he was like going to throw himself at her feet. I do remember that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that, was a great, that was a great ten minute scene. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> And then Tuvok actually gets the stack. He totally swooped. <laughs> yep. Tuvok's like, I got this. And Chakotay's gone. Tuvok's like, I should stay. Yeah. <laughs> it was really weird. They, uh, the camera pans back, uh, and you just see Tuvok standing it was like there. A horror movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, was like, really weird framing. Like he was going to pull out a knife yeah, and like, just go after her. Like, so, alone. You could totally have had like that. Like that horror music sting, like, doom, doom. <laughs> it's like standing there, and the lighting was weird and like stark, and it just made him look threatening. Yeah, <laughs> he's just standing there, staring at her back. It's creepy. Yeah, I realized they were just trying to reveal that he's still on the bridge to stay behind, but like it was just so weirdly framed and right. shot. It wasn't like he was walking on or like coming up to her side. He was just like standing there waiting. <laughs> Oh man, that's probably just bad directing. <laughs> He's like waiting for his cue for his line. <laughs> the camera pulls over too early. I guess it wasn't a Jonathan Frakes episode. It was LeVar Burton. It was? What? Mm-hmm. He directed this one too. Oh. Wow. Jordy, expected more from you. <laughs> you should have engineered that better. We met a Mexican guy. Maybe he's uh, foreshadowing some weird stuff. <laughs> Maybe in his mind, Tuvok is a serial killer. Oh, it, it's so Meld was the previous episode, and it's it's some of that. Oh, 
Wait, oh. wait, seriously, Mel was the previous episode. Yeah. So you think it's some lingering psychosis? Yep. Huh. I like that. It's That's like, good. well, I'm going to die anyway. Yeah. I might as well kill you. <laughs> and and he just snaps out of it as soon as she turns around. Yep. He's like, maybe I should stay yeah. too. We didn't see the turmoil inside. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Retconned. <laughs> it makes the meld uh, repercussions more believable if he's still struggling with them. Yep. Yeah, I, I like this. Good work, LeVar Burton. <laughs> <laughs> good job, LeVar. <laughs> tweet him. <laughs> awesome, tweet. Awesome, awesome work integrating that, that meld psychosis storyline into your... Uh, and from the tweet, story. Please tweet at LeVar Burton. <laughs> Congratulating him for this amazing episode. I, yeah, I, I liked this episode. Uh, I mean... I mean, you it, picked it. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, I picked it for the same reason that I picked... Uh, at least one other episode that I picked um, that uh, that it stuck out to me as something that I remembered. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those episodes. Uh, I mean, I guess they're all just maybe they're all like this. Maybe they're all just weird mysteries. Um, but for some reason, I remembered this one. I think the only thing that could have made it better is if they put more McKee stuff in there because they mention it, but they don't really talk about. Like the ramifications. Obviously, Bolan is willing to die, um, sacrifice yourself to save these people, but like you don't really see a lot of that. And where was Chicote during this whole thing? Bolan and Chicote needed a scene together. They really did. Considering that all the backstory is Bolana explaining to Tom, mm-hmm. like the strife that went into the decision she made to send the missile out and Chicote's disappointment. I'm like, I want to see that scene. Yeah. I want to see them discussing it now. Two years later, he could have had, or, an I told you so. Maybe, yeah, or or <laughs> having some some contention about do we do we tell them that we did this or do we tell them that you did this without being ordered to? Right. Like how do we how do we deal with this with the Starfleet people? So I would have liked to see that discussion, but the problem is that then we don't get the, like the shocking reveal of it's my fault at the very beginning. Yeah, I think what I would have wanted to see in that interaction would be. Um, Chakotay not coming down hard on her, but Chakotay revisiting her to really reflect on the fact that she's changed as a person since her Maki terrorist days. Like again, it's something they hint at a little bit with the Tom Paris discussion, but it would have had more impact coming from her superior. She'd be like, "I I feel so bad for doing this," and he's like, "Well, you know, you make mistakes. You have to deal with repercussions. Like they come back to bite bite you sometimes." So I'm gonna say what I always say. I would have liked to see that with Tuvok. <laughs> because, because, yeah, I know. <laughs> because, T- Tuvok is a perfect foil for pretty much everybody. Well, yeah, I think he's a perfect foil for everything and anything, even himself. But, like, <laughs> but like, so Tuvok was a spy infiltrating the Maquis, and he's a... He might have been there for that. He would have definitely been there for that. The timing works out. Mm-hmm. They say it happened like a day or two yeah. before. Oh, I think the what they said was a, a day after she reprogrammed it, it got taken by the caretaker in the Badlands. But yeah. there's no sense of the gap between it being taken and Voyager being taken. Uh, yeah, Not that far apart, I assume. But but in addition to the fact that like he was, you know, a mole, you know, in the Maquis, like he has all the complexities of um, basically how much violence do you do and the you know ends justify means issues and stuff like that and he could be a very like calm logical thing but a nice juxtaposition i mean i know that chakotay kind of is a juxtaposition to to balana in terms of like um he's a little bit more 
I don't want to say tame. That's kind of a weird. Way I was gonna say it. he's a he's a cooler mind. Yeah. With that with that damned smooth voice or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, she didn't say smooth. <laughs> Soft. Soft. Yeah. You sorry. heard Soft. it too, though. Yeah. We all heard it. Yeah. That scene was ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. that scene was definitely ten minutes. <laughs> She well, stares we wistfully. We all know that she has a crush on Chicote. I like this Bolana monologue. It's like ten minutes of remembering Chicote. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting for Bolana because one, you can tell that she's very proud of her creation, but also she's feeling regretful, especially that she hurt Chicote. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the whole killing a civilization. <laughs> thing. Oh, also by the way. <laughs> but it's you see it a little bit, but it would have been better if there was a Chicote scene. Or two vaccine, or anybody in the Maki instead of just her telling Tom. Anybody but yeah, Tom. Anybody but Tom. Yes. We want loyal Maki people. Yeah. Even. Um, Karth. Karth. <laughs> that would have actually been really interesting. It would, it would have been a conversation with another Maki. They could make him say anything there mm-hmm. because he has weird motivations. Yeah. We're probably not going to assume too much about what he would say like we would with Tuvok or Chakotay. He could play whatever foil they need. He's um, not going to be there for very long anyway. <laughs> but he's also duplicitous. Like, yeah. he's he's presenting this stance, but we know that he is... Him and Seska are probably the only ones that see themselves as, like, loyalists at this point. To, sure. the, to the Not Seska, because she was a spy, but he's, like, actually supporting the Maki cause at this point and not, you know, not intentionally siding with Voyager crew. So that would have been an interesting perspective, too, even if Bolana didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have made his defection even more interesting. He needed more screen time than just randomly chatting with Kazon people on long range. Remember, I'm a spy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget. Oh, somebody's trying to use the phone line. Click. (laughs) I can hear you breathing. (laughs) (laughs) We need to set this up for several weeks so that when his episode happens, people aren't super weirded out. Mom, hang up the phone. Remember this guy? So, actually, it's kind of a, a point that I wanted to bring up. It feels like season two is very large arc like they, they really tried to make plot lines that went for a while mm. with foreshadowing yeah i totally don't remember this having watched the show originally like mm-hmm. like my thought was always oh voyager is mostly standalone stories the biggest arcs they probably do are with the borg and seven i totally forgot about this this whole plot line i think they saw that it worked in deep space nine do you say time? Yeah, I guess it was probably just starting to do Dominion War at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they, were, maybe they were playing with it, you know, just dipping their toes in. Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of long-term plots, there's the the Kazon stuff, but there's also uh, Naomi Wildman. I mean, that's, that's definitely, like, in the background, but that's a through-line plot for, for this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The main difference here is that these are all arcs that lead to a larger story in the finale. Mm. Where the Kazon successfully take over Voyager with Seska. Spoilers. I mean, who knows what happens? Are you psychic? <laughs> yeah. It's I like a worst case scenario. <laughs> Chicote. <laughs> okay. Was hardly in this episode. Okay, so he was in the he was in the holodeck. So I want to yeah. men- I want to mention the Chicote moment that I enjoyed, which was when they're talking about when Janeway was broaching the subject of destroying Voyager. And um, I think it was it Chicote who said like, "Oh, we need all this energy, blah blah blah." And he's like talking about it like it's not possible. And Tuvok's like, "Or a warp core breach." Yeah. And Chicote does this fucking double take, like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. was like, "Yeah, thank you, Tuvok, for being on the same page." Yeah, I, I I thought it was great. His eyes shifted, and then his whole head shifted. He's <laughs> like, "Oh shit, that's what we're talking about." I laughed pretty hard. <laughs> 
not very good at being Starfleet. Say what now? <laughs> I just got the ship. That's Starfleet training. That's Self-destruct great. is always on the table. It's true. Had everybody out in the little boats. The it's a good way. It's going to make aliens not mess with you if they're like, "Oh shit, these humans like they'll self-destruct if you poke them too much." I'm just, I'm just picturing them like be like, "Okay, everybody to the escape pods," and the missile just being like, I'm just vaporizing all the escape pods, like programmed oh, to stop all threats. Yeah. The the missile's like a lot more ships just showed up. <laughs> it seems to be launching smaller vehicles. Mm-hmm. This can't be good. New threat assessment. Their resources would last longer, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's a silver lining to everything. It's, just, it's Janeway and Tuvok, and they're like, I, I, we got all these f- jump packs now. <laughs> Me and you, bro. Me and you and the and doctor. And then they become pirates. <laughs> I like how you went pirates, and I was just like, they're getting put on so much weight eating with all those extra rations. <laughs> that would be adorable, though. I like how when the crisis is averted and she gets a call from the doctor, she's like, oh, doctor, I forgot about you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, thanks. Dr. Zimmerman. Yeah. According to the subtitles on Netflix. That's his creator. That's not him. I know. Apparently the Netflix person doesn't know that. I mean, technically they have the same voice. It's weird that they don't know that because Voyager, wasn't it like five out of ten of the most rewatched episodes on Netflix? Yeah, that is Those Voyager episodes? Yep. Mm-hmm. They need to do some QC on those subtitles. <laughs> If everyone's rewatching it that much. Yeah, maybe they're rewatching it because they're like, "See, look, Doctor Zimmerman." <laughs> I will say their algorithms were a little messed up because I was reading that article and they're like, um, "We excluded pilots and second episode after pilot because people will tend to watch a show from the beginning, like just like mindlessly watch it through, and if they walk away, it'll get through like one more episode playing before it like says, "Oh, are you away from the TV?" Hmm. But like episode three was really high ranking, so I'm like, "Well, I think something still snuck through." <laughs> Uh, there's the AI in Dreadnought um, that is a questionable AI. It's not like sentient, really. It's just yeah. sort of a reactive kind of thing. Um, it, it's, it, there's some depth there, but it, I don't think we can say, call it AI. It's uh, kind of murderous. I mean, by design. Yeah. Like, it's... It's not like a, an emergent AI that's going against its base programming. Like it just has bad parameters. Yeah, but it thinks yeah. that it's doing the right thing. It's not like yeah, it didn't come up with a new plan. It's not getting some kind of like malice reward for for going after these people. They really drive the point home that it is. Um, it thinks it's behaving within its normal operational parameters. It's like, oh, well, this is a, a sensor malfunction that makes me think I'm in the Delta Quadrant. Oh, this is a deception where people are trying to make me think I'm not on the right path. Blana didn't program an evil robot. <laughs> that would have been amazing, though. Yes, it would have. <laughs> she did program it too well, I would say. Yeah. In some ways. There's all kinds of ways you can go with like a, an AI that you program that's got your same voice and all the things that could go wrong on Voyager. <laughs> we really should dig into the, why she made it her own voice. I think that's an interesting choice she made. She's got a great voice. Well, so I think it's funny because everybody, not everybody, but most people hate the sound of their own voice. That's true. This is a vain thing. Maybe she has a podcast that she listens to. Mm -hmm. That's masochistic. It's like Neelix watching uh, Good Morning Voyage. (laughs) (laughs) On repeat. Yep. That's how it works. She like records it for the first time. She's like, I don't really sound like that. (laughs) (laughs) Affirmative. Maybe it was kind of a public speaking exercise where she programmed it to to 
be her voice just so she gets uh, exposed to her own voice more. That's kind of a good idea for public speaking. Like, in Star Trek technology, like, you set up the holodeck to be yourself doing a public speech, and you sit in the audience, and, like, you listen to how you sound to get used to it. And <laughs> you're like, I'm clearly doing it fine up there. Like, that actually or, is a pretty interesting psychological experiment. Or you could at least record yourself and play it back. That would be interesting, too. Yeah. I'm like, how long did it take for her to record her own voice for the purposes of, like, giving this... Their computer could probably do it yeah, pretty quickly. It's synthesized. Take a couple. Uh, I don't know how long samples. that actually takes because part of, part of my like hmm, is because when the computer was speaking with her voice, it changed the emphasis and tone of voice, and I was like, "This is." I know that it's her doing a computer voice. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, this is complicated. I mean, they recreate people with their voices on the holodeck, and it doesn't seem like they need a lot of sample input data to make it happen. I think in the modern day, if someone's making like a Siri voice, it takes a lot of um, inputs of glottals and um, vowel sounds and everything else. I assume in Star Trek, it doesn't take as much to to extrapolate. They scan the vocal cords and call it a day. <laughs> that would work too. Just recreate Balada yeah. holographically. There's <laughs> literally a little voice box sitting <laughs> off to the side. <laughs> you could well, you could do that with holograms and force fields. You can have a force field that vibrates like vocal cords yeah just have a perfect physical recreation and then sample that and then use your computational power to sample it much quicker than normal or you could just virtualize the hologram and (laughs) and take the audio output from it and there you go yeah identity theft is much easier in the future (laughs) well we were talking about that with uh janeway's security codes (laughs) janeway pi um one one zero one zero password we know her self-destruct code Yep, we know the cards too, though. Yeah, but like in a world where they can perfectly recreate her voice and they have the code, they have everything they need for self-destruct. Yeah, well. Hopefully, they change it after that. I assume she has to change it. It's like a corporate policy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every ninety days, new self-destruct code. It's like ah, oh, not this again. <laughs> I'll set it one. To the end. You've already used that one. <laughs> oh, an exclamation it. mark! All right, add a two. <laughs> You need a special character. What? Uh, Asterisk? Pi's a special character. <laughs> Tuvok, remember my codes. <laughs> Tuvok's just the keychain for everything. <laughs> Tuvok, what's my password? <laughs> you put it on a post-it note. It's on, <laughs> it's on your terminal. It's on the view screen. <laughs> Tuvok, where actually, I put my keys? It's actually pretty bad corporate policy because they let her use her own name in the code. <laughs> it's yeah. like Janeway, Pi110. Yeah, no, two boxes like seven four four seven. <laughs> I don't remember what random thing it is. Epsilon, Greek character, three to four I, random numbers. Yeah, your yeah. own name. Yeah, no, that's secure. That's really easy, actually. Square root of pi. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five. <laughs> We should all have more Chipotle. <laughs> like I had, dinner? I had Chipotle the other night. Did you? Yeah. How was it? Did you try their queso? I did. Was it good? It was okay. Oh, that's right. They do queso now. So, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, it's questionable authenticity, but I thought it tasted fine. I mean, anyway, you slice it, it's fake cheese with salsa in it. I actually had a, a burrito bowl with chorizo and queso. Oh. And that was actually things. really nice. Cool. So when we watch a uh, Chicote episode, when you need some Chipotle while watching the Chicote, right? Oh man, That's I a good guess idea. we can line that up. Yeah, maybe I'll have to rethink my 
Now I'm pretty excited about my episode. I mean, I'll have to make sure I don't pick Chipotle episodes. <laughs> I don't love Chipotle. Me neither. As, right. as a food or as a character? As yeah. a food. You know how oh, okay. I feel about Chipotle the character. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, about Dreadnought. Yeah. So, Dreadnought. So, every time we say Dreadnought, I keep thinking Juggernaut. <laughs> and then my verse. I'm the Dreadnought, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. I just keep thinking about the way Balana was pronouncing her own name. She called herself Balana. Oh, the computer like, voice. You can say that again. Well, hello, so, Balana. So they did call. They they used to early in the show call her Balana, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "Oh, it's too much effort." Shikoshi still over pronounces it. It went. It went from an E to a schwa. Yeah, it's like yeah, most people the call e her like, to BL. Yeah, Balana. or like Balana. Yeah, B U H Balana. Balana. Uh, sorry, Balana. We're gonna need you to assimilate here. So <laughs> my Balana has a first name. Her her. So S C A R. Her C O just like stopped pronouncing her name right. <laughs> it's, it's like an archer. It's like Carol or Cheryl. I changed it. <laughs> it's like um our our grandpa's name was Mo Joss and when he joined yeah. the military they were like uh it's probably short for Morton Joseph yeah your name's Morton Joseph now <laughs> yeah the military changed their grandpa's name yeah. right then. Ellis Island changed my grandpa's name <laughs> uh, old racist <laughs> yep <laughs> no we're gonna we're gonna change this yeah, it's like what'd you say uh never mind <laughs> we somehow made it through Ellis Island we kept Panagetti from uh uh sorry i can't remember i'm trying to make a corleone joke <laughs> what is it it's corleone what is the name of the what was it i'm trying to remember it's different yeah cut that yeah <laughs> cut my embarrassment computer corleone what i don't remember what the name of the area is it's like i don't really I thought know. it was maybe it is it. well that's just the italian pronunciation of corleone they still would be spelled the same. Eh. Okay. I'm going to get made fun of this later when Arthur listens to this. I haven't watched The Godfather in a really long time. He's watched it like ten times and read the book like three times. Hasn't he not seen it until we watched it together with him? Yeah. Now, <gasps> now he loves it. Really? Yeah. I was obsessed with it in high school. I watched them all once. We should do it again. Eat, eat cannoli while doing it. And do we it. wanted to. Homemade spaghetti. Let's do it. Tell the nice girl you love her. (laughs) Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. I mean, have we wrapped? I don't know. I think we we jumped all over the place, but I think we covered the big topics. Um, Well, in the end, they they save the planet. They win. So, Belana overcomes the AI with a phaser to its (laughs) gut. Yeah. (laughs) Not just sheer intellect. (laughs) Shoots it while suffocating. Okay, wait, wait. Time out. Time out. She does kind... Okay, she... She sort of outsmarts it. Yeah, she has. She just opens the tube. No, 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 no. no she loads so, the other AI. Well, so what she does oh, is yeah. she does the hypothetical game to diagnose the problem, and then she loads up the other AI, has it do a little battle with itself, and while it's distracted, then she can dismantle a bunch of stuff and get into the core. She j- jumps into the Cardassian Jeffrey's tube. Yeah, but but she does I like. Don't know, the, I don't know what Jeffrey translates to in Cardassian, so. Joffrey. So, uh, but she has like a multi-step plan that she uses, and it is an intelligent thing that she does, as opposed to like I'm just gonna blow it up. And she does it while running out of air. Yep, yep. That's true. Time. That's a uh, excellent point. So I'd say that that brains win in this episode, which is very nice. 
I like the AI loading part because they even uh, telegraph it a little bit earlier in the episode when she talks about how she couldn't stand the voice and mm. she replaced it with her own. It's like, oh, that program was still lying around in the database somewhere. Yep, she saved the day from the problem she created. <laughs> Good work, Bill. <laughs> so net neutral. And then and then the the dreadnought explodes over the planet. Yep. And I was just thinking like, uh, full yield. That thing would fry everybody on that side of yep. the planet. Or like, what it does matter? Was... Antimatter, wasn't it? It's a what if bomb. it was in the yeah. atmosphere and then you just got this giant piece of garbage like, flame like... raining from the sky? Yeah. What if it's still bad? What if it didn't explode and it just rotted the planet? Because <laughs> it was huge. I'm just saying she's walking around in that thing and like, you know. Yeah, no. From orbit, it'd make a giant crater. They yeah. don't take advantage of that in Star Trek enough. It's true. Just dropping what? things from orbit rather than <laughs> firing weapons. <laughs> oh, yeah. Use the planet's gravity and against it. Moon is a harsh, harsh mistress. Has a really great rotting sequence. Uh, I know. I know enough about this. Yeah. Uh, actually, so speaking of rotting things, one of the references that I was thinking of about dreadnought exploding in uh, in orbit or, or out uh, away from the planet, but but close enough, is, and and like spraying radiance on the on the planet and killing every everything on that side of the planet. Um, there's there's a book Anathem by Neil Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, in, in order to threaten a planet, this group of aliens um, takes a hydrogen bomb that's uh, like the size of a skyscraper and puts it in orbit and basically just like leaves it there and says like, okay, do, do what we want or we're going to detonate this thing and it will literally kill everything. <laughs> It'll irradiate the entire, that side of the planet and just kill everything. I'm just thinking about the fact that the planet and uh, Dreadnought they were trying to evacuate people, so everybody's like on one side of the planet or something. They're talking about, oh, we're all on the East Coast trying to get people out. Could we see what the land was below the explosion? Like, did they just cluster everybody right, <laughs> right there? I'm guessing they were at least trying to clear its path, hoping that if it was a localized attack, they'd be spared. But they'd also, they also indicated that the thing could literally blow up a planet. Like, oh, it's enough to blow up a small moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. killer base. Yeah. <laughs> the next star wars movie they're gonna have a weapon that can destroy an entire planet now <laughs> bullshit You're thinking too big we better send in some small ships to take it out from the inside probably just like shooting womp rats back home there's always a way to blow it up <laughs> thanks for pointing out that shortcoming of the plot harrison ford i mean han solo <laughs> that's not how foreshadowing works <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh dreadnought was a good episode i think mm-hmm. i liked it you yeah, know how I feel about Bolana. Good, good Bolana episode. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we've all enjoyed it. Um, do we want to try and talk about things that we didn't like or wish could have been different about this episode? Because I feel like usually we're usually we're kind of like shit on episodes. Yeah, usually we're pulling for the well. I really enjoyed Janeway's high pants in this in the World War II episode. <laughs> But I'm like, do we want to talk about what we think could have been improved in this episode? I'm going to say another thing I liked about the episode. That sounds good. Which, but <laughs> Off I'll, topic. I can go to, I can go to your <laughs> topic too, but I just have to point out, because this is something that we bring up a lot in other episodes as being uh, points against them, but something really nice about this episode, um, very little Cass and no Neelix. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Those Minimal are two Holy shining shit. moments, uh, <laughs> lack of moments. Yeah. So many lacks of moments. <laughs> well, mine was that uh, there should have been a Chicote. Um, there, there should have been a Chicote Bolana. No, I no, really think that. they needed more screen time, and no. he needed 
to, to talk to her a little bit. Yeah, I mean, considering that it was, like, basically at least one-third of his problem. <laughs> yeah, I think it could have used more uh, brooding from Balana, like, like remorse about... She's so good at that, too. But, yeah, it, and the, like I said, there's a little bit in the early conversation where she's delivering backstory. Yeah, but, but once she gets into action, she's just like, I can do this. It's, it's her against the computer, and there's not enough of her, like, thinking about, like, oh, this is the repercussion of what I've gone through. Like, right. it, it would have been a good moment for her as a character, I think. Yeah. Instead of just like, mostly she's just like, well, if this was Cardassians, it'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. She gets lost in the engineering problem, but doesn't really have to deal too much with it, especially because she saves the day at the yeah. end. Yeah. I kind of feel like the interaction with the um, diplomat from the alien planet was a little bit weird. Kill him. I, I just feel like his reaction was, I, I totally get the reaction of, well, you guys are sending a fucking missile towards us, like the initial wariness. And this then he's threat. like, yeah, and then he's like instantly won over and he's just like, <laughs> he's like we're buds now yeah it was just kind of i don't know i felt like he he turned on a dime way too many times because he seemed kind of um i forget what it was that he said but he seemed um like <laughs> i guess if what would you have me do yeah. well it was he, he seemed way too friendly towards Janeway too early. That's true. And if your Stanford standard of friendship is, thanks for not annihilating my planet, you should probably aim a little bit higher. Well, we think, expect you to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of, of his interactions made sense in terms of his own motivations. I just didn't think he was necessary at all. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really know what he added to the story necessarily. Like, we understand that this is going to blow up his planet. Having these prolonged conversations with him, like, it doesn't really drive Janeway's need to save the day home anymore. Like, she already needs the, to save the day. It sets up the Kazon thing. Well, that's that's true. Yeah. We learn a little bit about how the Kazon are, are shit-talking Voyager. Yeah. We also learn, well, not learn as such, but it establishes the um, 15, I don't even want to call them ships, the little, like... The fighters. Yeah. The fleet. <laughs> the fleet. The little fleet comes out, and so we know that they're going with the intention of stopping the missile as opposed to being a threat to Voyager, and therefore there's not really, like... And we know that they're in... They even know going into it that they're ineffectual. Yeah. But that was an interesting exchange. What would you have me do? Yeah. Well, it, was, it was pretty evacuate moving. Evacuate people? Yeah. Well, they're and doing that, too. It's no, not like it's taking 15 people away from the yeah. evacuation effort. And said he's just going to take his best pilots and throw them at this existential threat. That would have been kind of an interesting conversation. Yeah. Welcome to Not Earth. <laughs> punch i don't think i have any other real complaints uh, i mean we, we mentioned some alternative ways of approaching like dialogue uh between characters in order to like get across certain things or whatever but i, I don't think there was anything in this episode that really stuck out to me as as something that i felt the writers did wrong i i, I liked it yeah there's nothing glaring yeah lavar burton did a great job Yep. Yeah. He's a good director. He's Thanks, Lavar. <laughs> but you don't have to take our word for it. <laughs> High five, bro. What are we watching next time? We are watching season five. Yes. Episode 12. Don't know that one. The Bride of Chaotica. Oh, I know that one. I know that one. Very good. I'm excited. Suggested um, side watching with this episode is Flash Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Just all of it. Flash. Yeah. Ah, complete tangent. Yeah. Um, before we started recording, uh, Mario suggested that we should compile all of the fic ideas that we have That's a good idea. done in this podcast. I need to start seeing these fics become reality, and to do that we need to keep track of them. Yeah. That's a good idea. I point myself the fic idea keeper. On that note, thanks for listening. Yay. <laughs> so you can visit us on the web 
at salamanderbabies.com. You can find us on Twitter at salamandertrek, on Facebook at facebook.com slash salamanderbabies, on Tumblr at salamanderbabies.tumblr.com, and you can email questions and comments to hellocomputer at salamanderbabies.com. Computer and program.